0: But when you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be be to to God so here we continue reading in the gospel of matthew he's telling us about all the things jesus has said he's compiled them into this sermon on the mount we've already looked at giving last week he moves from giving and how you give in secret as a way to draw closer to god to now praying in secret and how that draws you closer to god but also included in these 10 verses he gives us this model prayer that we continue to use in worship every week begins with our Father. But of course, there have been whole books written about this prayer, whole sermon series taking that prayer a verse at a time, unfolding all the deep meaning that comes with us contemplating and thinking about what Jesus says about prayer and our own prayer lives and how that connects us to God or how we have perhaps failed to practice the prayers that would draw us closer to God. So I'm not going to be able to cover all the nuances that you might be able to uncover from this particular passage of Scripture. But I am hoping to spark your faith and give you more to think about in terms of your own prayer and your own life and how prayer impacts how you live. I think that's what Jesus is getting at here for us to think about our life and our prayer and how those go together. When we look at the Sermon on the Mount, I think it's safe to say that Jesus makes it clear that He expects us, as His followers, to love others, to give, to help others, and to pray for others. Jesus seems to be putting together this set of practices that draw us closer to God. And then shape and form us so that we love more like God loves that we live more like God intends for us to live so that we become who God intends for us to be now if we are not careful we can look at the trajectory as Jesus teaches about how this starts how he emphasizes be alone go into your closet be in secret with God but that's not where he stops that's just where he begins But the trajectory, as you read through this sermon, moves you from making sure that you're deeply engaged with God and focused there, but it necessarily propels us out into the world to care for others, to love others, to give for the good of others. So to love is to do the good for the other. To give is to Fuel and fun, goodness to bring and give to others. To pray is to pray for the good of one and all, including yourself, but also including all of humanity. To follow Christ with all of whom we are is a high calling. It's a high calling to follow Christ. It is a high calling that says we are willing to allow God to change us. So often we want to come to faith, but not really yield ourselves to God's changing love, to how God might want to shape and form and transform us. John Wesley talked and wrote and preached quite a bit about that. He talked about what it means to surrender oneself to Christ or to surrender your life to God. I want to read you just a few sentences of what he wrote about that. At one point, he says, Christ has many services to be done. Some are more easy and honorable, others more difficult and disgraceful. Some are suitable to our inclinations and our interest; Others are contrary to both. In some, we may please Christ and please ourselves. There are other works in which we cannot please Christ except by denying ourselves i think you can hear as wesley writes about what it means to yield oneself to the power of god that it has to do with change and being led by wherever god wants to lead us see if you can hear that same emphasis about focusing on what god wants in this prayer that jesus lays out In verse 9, he says, pray then in this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So just as a way to think about how this works in your own prayer life, I put a question in the outline you might want to ask yourself, do I pray more about what I want or need or more about what God wants. See, this model prayer helps us focus on the right priority, to focus on God and what God is doing in our lives and in the world. We're supposed to be lining up our lives with God's will, not trying to ask God to shape God to be like us or to do something for us. Jesus says, This kind of focus is the way to life and life abundant, to focus on God's will and God's kingdom coming and how we can be a part of that as we yield ourselves evermore to God. This model prayer gives us a way to practice or improve our focus in prayer and in life. But after he begins helping us focus on God and making sure our lives are lined up with God's life, then he takes this turn in verse 11, where he begins to ask for food, for bread, for sustenance, for nourishment. Verse 11, you remember how the prayer turns. Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. But so often in prayer, we're so focused on ourselves, you would think, The prayer might say, give me my stuff. Give me my daily bread. But that's not how Jesus prays it. Give us this day our daily bread. The sermon starts with our Father, meaning we're part of a larger family. And then even when Jesus is asking for help from God, it's for all of us. It's our daily bread that Jesus suggests we should pray for it's the way he's praying he's suggesting it's the way that we pray as well it is all about seeing ourselves as part of the larger family of god the great bible scholar from the last century dr william barclay writes about this phrase that jesus praised about giving us our daily bread i want to read you what he writes when we see that this is a simple petition for the needs of the everyday certain tremendous truths emerge from it number one it tells us that god cares for our bodies jesus showed us that he spent so much time healing people's diseases and satisfying their physical hunger He was anxious when he thought that the crowd who had followed him out into the lonely places had a long road home and no food to eat before they set out upon it. We do well to remember that God is interested in our bodies. Any teaching that belittles, despises, and slanders the body is wrong, Dr. Barclay Wright. We can see what God think what God thinks of our human bodies when we remember that God in Jesus Christ took on a human body. Then he has this great line. It is not only soul salvation, it is whole salvation of body, mind and spirit at which Christianity aims i think that's good news worth celebrating that god cares about us cares about our bodies cares about what ails us god cares about what concerns us god cares about what we struggle with when we have pain when we are suffering we're going to celebrate holy communion it's the central act of the church and certainly it has to do with how god cares about brokenness whether it's in our own minds or in relationships And how God is at work in Christ to heal that. But as I was thinking about what Dr. Barclay said about how God cares for our bodies, and we being now in Black History Month, I began to think about black bodies. Questions began to pop into my mind Does God care about black bodies? When I pray, Our Father, in my mind, am I including bodies that are different skin tone than mine? Am I including black and brown bodies? When I pray that God might bring us our daily bread, do I really think and include all of those who are part of God's family? I began to think about how racism works. And if you're white, how easy it is to read about the lynchings of the last century or about a shooting of a person in a black body. And if you're white, just to be able to kind of distance yourself. It's easy to think, I didn't know that person. I don't have a relationship with that person. I don't have anything to do with that. But, but, what if I think... God cares about what happens to black bodies. And what if I know that in my country, in my state, in my city, we have a history of beating and whipping and torturing black bodies. What if I know in the last century in my country, we have a history of lynching over 4,000 black bodies? What if I know The black bodies have been bought and sold like a commodity for somebody else's profit, as if that body had no value and no worth and nobody cared. What if I know that in the last century in my country, lynchings became so common, so normal, That if you were white, they became a form of entertainment where hundreds of people, sometimes thousands of people, would gather and take pictures and make postcards and send them to their family members about what they had done on the sunny Sunday afternoon after they went to church. Does it make sense to ask those questions? If you're white, it's sometimes easy not even to ask the question. But what if I know in my town, where I live, black bodies have been terrorized, beaten, burned, shot. Where I know black families have been robbed and looted and separated by white mob violence. What if I know unspeakable terror has been visited on black bodies? Then when I'm praying, does it change me then to pray our Father who art in heaven? If I'm going to use this prayer of Jesus and say our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread does it change me to be aware of how bodies of different colors have been treated so very differently in our world can you affirm that black lives matter to god can you affirm that black bodies matter to god as much as white bodies Do you see how when we go to God in prayer, sometimes it changes us. Sometimes we're given something to struggle with. Sometimes questions come into our minds that can haunt us and change us. I mean, in 2021, to pray to our Father, to pray for God's will to be done, for God's kingdom to come for God's love to be visited upon all of us what does it mean then in terms of how I live my life what might I need to do to ensure that black bodies and white bodies are treated equally or fairly or justly in the town where I live in the state and the country in which I live professor Amy Jill Levine in her book on this sermon on the Mount ask this question what kind of god should we proclaim or what kind of god do we proclaim through our prayers and through our lives boston avenue a few years ago we articulated seven core values number four i've put in your outline today it says boston avenue embraces a reasoned approach to faith and scripture It seems reasonable to me to ask these kinds of questions. If we believe that God cares about all of humanity, if we believe that God cares and God's care includes black and brown bodies, then I think we have some work to do for God's will to be done, for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven what would it look like for you and me to think more about god's will being done and how god's will might come to fruition through our church through our family through our actions what would it look like if we treated all bodies fairly in our church and in our society it seems like those are reasonable questions to ask what do you think Robert P. Jones, who's going to come and be our lecturer in his book entitled "White Too Long, says it's not only reasonable to be asking these kind of questions, but in fact, if you are white, it is in your self-interest. Let me read to you how he poses this for us. He writes, whites, and especially white Christians have seen this project of racial reconciliation as an altruistic one rather than a desperate life-and-death struggle for our own future. What few whites perceive, and this is a truth that has come late to me, he says, is that we have far more at stake than our black fellow citizens in setting things right. He notes the James Baldwin characterized the civil rights movement in the United States in the 1960s as an awakening by blacks in America. Then Jones writes this. The question today is whether we white Christians will also awaken to see what has happened to us and to grasp once and for all how white supremacy has robbed us of our own heritage And of our ability to be in right relationships with our fellow citizens, with ourselves, and even with God. Reckoning with white supremacy for us is now an unavoidable moral choice. Do you know the name Amanda Gorman? If you do not, watch today the Super Bowl broadcast. She's going to be the first poet ever to share an original poem at the Super Bowl, at this national event. But, of course, most of, our, most of us heard about her on January 20th as she was the first ever National Youth Poet Laureate to speak at the inauguration. She wrote this original poem and recited it. It was dynamic. If you haven't seen it. I would encourage you to go and watch her deliver the whole thing but i want to read a few sentences from what she wrote and recited that day for us this morning the poem is entitled the hill we climb scripture tells us to envision that everyone shall sit under their own vine and fig tree and no one shall make them afraid if we're to live up to her own time then victory won't lie in the blade But in all the bridges we've made, that is the promise to glade the hill we climb, if only we dare. It's because being American is more than a pride we inherit. It's the past we step into and how we repair it. So let us leave behind a country better than one we were left with. Every breath From my bronze pounded chest will raise this wounded world into a wondrous one we will rise from the gold-limbed hills of the west we will rise from the windswept northeast where our forefathers first realized revolution we will rise from the lake rim cities of the midwestern states we will rise from the sun-baked south we will rebuild Amen and thanks be to God